Hello and welcome to New Hope Lockyer's podcast. I'm your host Christine Palmer and this week's episode comes from our series God Blesses Us When We Desire More and this is a message I shared a couple of Sundays ago about friendship and how God desires more friendship in our lives with him and with other people. Enjoy. I'm going to start with Matthew 13. It's the parable of the sower. And Jesus goes on later on in in the chapter after he's told the parable of the sower. He goes on to explain what it means. And it says in verse 18, Now you're ready to listen to the revelation of the parable of the sower and his seeds. The seeds that fell on the path represent the heart's represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm but doesn't understand it. The adversaries then come and snatch away what has been sown into his heart. The seed sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecution come because of the kingdom message he received. Then he quickly falls away. Well, the truth didn't sink deep enough into his heart. The seed sown amongst the weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of his life, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart, his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and prevent him from bearing spiritual fruit. As for the seed that fell upon the good soil, It represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield yield a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as was sown. I've called this message today, I Need You. Sounds quite selfish, doesn't it? But the, the series that we're on at the moment is called God blesses us when we desire more. And the subtopic that I'm talking on today is friendship. I wanted to start with the parable of the sower because God gave me this revelation the other night. He said, how many of your friends have allowed the weeds to steal the harvest? How many times have we let our friends continue on with their life and not seen the fruit and the harvest and the potential that God's put into their life because something has distracted them, something has stolen from them, their ambition for wealth, their their being distracted by worldly things has stolen and robbed people of the great harvest God has, has got for them, for the kingdom. So why do I need you? Well, as Jana pointed out so beautifully, We need people in our lives to point out our blind spots. That's something Tanya Harris talked about yesterday and something that I haven't been very good at. I'm getting better over the last couple of years. I've definitely got better. But I didn't like receiving constructive criticism. It's painful. It hurts. It's icky. It's not my favourite. And sometimes you have to sit there and go, is this constructive or is it just to hurt me? Depends on where you are and how open your heart is and um, 
how willing you are to receive those words, right? So we need good friends in our lives. We need people that create a safe space. And, you know, in Proverbs 27, it says, be careful of the friends you choose. Be careful of the friends you choose because you can be led astray. I'm paraphrasing now. I should have written it down. But it's the command of God. Be careful of the friends you choose. So, you know what I do when I'm speaking on a topic? I go to Google, trusty Google, and I put in, find me the definition of friendship. Because I always, it's always interesting to me to, to hear what the world has to say about something and see how closely it lines up with Scripture because whether or not they believe what they're writing, God has always got an impact somewhere. He's always shifted and moved people. So, according to Wikipedia, friendship is a relationship of mutual affection between people. Friendship is a stronger form of interpersonal bond than an association. Although there are many forms of friendship, some of which may vary from place to place, certain characteristics are present in many types, such as affection, kindness, love, virtue, sympathy, empathy, honesty, loyalty, generosity, forgiveness, mutual understanding and compassion, enjoyment of each other's company, trust and the ability to be oneself, express one's feelings to others and make mistakes without fear of judgment from the friend. You know, whenever you're looking throughout the word, you always look at Jesus first, right? Jesus was the best friend we could ever ask for. He's the best example of a friend. You go to John 15. John 15, 13 and 15. It says, my, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I have made known to you. God gave us an incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. An incredible gift, and you've heard a bit this morning. An incredible gift that we get to know what the Master's plan is. We get to be included in the conversation. We're in a safe place with God. And you know what he loves? He loves when we talk back. He loves when we are in conversation with him. It's not a one-way street with God. He literally just opened up the door for us and he said, you know what, I lay down my life. This is the biggest act of love you're ever going to see in your life is that I'd lay down my life so that you might be in communion with me, in intimacy with me. And I love Job. He's such a classic. He's a funny man, Job. He says in Job 29, verse 4, he says, Oh, for the days when I was in my prime. 
when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the, the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. You know, one of the biggest things Jesus did for us was restore our relationship with God to what it was like in the garden. He's called us back to that intimacy. He's called us to be in friendship with him. So message today is twofold. Friendship with God, very important. He wants it. He desires it. He needs you as much as you need him. Right? And number two, we need each other. You know why I need you? Is because you see a part of God that I don't see. You have a puzzle piece that helps me see the bigger picture of who God is. He loves you in a way that he doesn't love me. He loves me all-consuming and powerfully. But because of the characteristics, the giftings, the skills, your abilities, your life experience, you've experienced a part of God's love that I haven't experienced. So I need to hear your story. That's why we love testimonies here. So we need to hear every time God shows up for you because it encourages my faith, it encourages your faith, and we walk together in God's love. And we need each other to pull out the weeds. I think I talked about this the last time I talked, about seeing my inner garden with the Holy Spirit, that there were lies in my life that I'd believed and that God needed to uproot and clean out the garden. And we need friends to do that too. God's really good at it. But he also uses you to speak into other people's lives. That's why we have the prophetic. That's why we have the time of encouragement, because God has called you to use the beautiful love, the giftings and the talents that you have to share with each other, to sow the seed, because we haven't started to see multiplication of harvest yet. We're getting there, slowly but surely. But we've ha- we haven't seen anywhere near 30 to 60 to 100 of one seed being thro- you know, planted. We haven't seen that abundance yet. We're looking forward to that. And part of that is trusting God that he's got it. Whenever a seed is planted, he's got it. That we don't have to strive, we don't have to work at it to, to see the harvest come to fruition because God's got it. But he does need us to be open, honest, and vulnerable because if there's anything stopping us from bearing fruit, we're doing him a disservice. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and no one is there to help them. This can be, you can look at this as walking with God. Two two is always better than one. Or you can look at it walking alongside with a friend and laboring together. There's something really special about finding people in your life who have the same heart as you. And I think Teresa shared it a little while ago. In um, When you're going to Bible college, we have a, a, 
a joke that it's bridal college, that you find your partner there because it's the most, it's the best place to go when you have people of the same heart who are chasing after God in the same heart. And, um, yeah, I love that. I love that story. God pouring out. So I'm going to tell you a story because I, I, don't, I don't like preaching without personal revelation. When I first moved to Australia, I wasn't really good at making friends, or so I was told. I'd come from an all-girls boarding school, so I didn't really have to learn how to make friends. We just had instant sisters who were there day in, day out, and loved you anyway. Sometimes didn't, but you figured out how to love each other. And um, when we came to Australia, it was a little bit different because I wasn't living with anyone. I had to learn what was appropriate, what was, you know, what intimacy level was okay because people were like, whoa, you're a bit intense because that's what I was used to. That's what I grew up with was knowing everybody's business all of the time. That's the environment of boarding school. You cannot get away with anything without everybody knowing. So when I came to Australia and was making friends, um, I didn't understand why they didn't want to know everything about me, why they used what I told them to beat me up, that me sharing my heart and being vulnerable with people was a bad thing. I didn't get it. And it took me a while, it took me a couple of years of being beat up by people I thought were my friends for me to say, oh, okay, Lord, what's going on? Like this is, I'm so lost, I'm so jaded now that I, I genuinely don't think, you know, friends... Friendship's not for me. It's not something I'm good at. And that was the first lie I believed to do with friendship. And that took root for a little bit. I allowed it to take root. I'm not a good friend. I've obviously misread the situation. My, you know, I'm not equipped to be a good friend. And then a couple of years ago, I came across someone, actually God appointed someone to come across me in a beautiful God moment um, that said, you know what, I just need people to be honest with me in this life. She had no idea what had been going on in my life up until that point. And it struck a chord with me because I'd said, not not being honest with anyone anymore, I'm not telling them about my heart, I'm not, and everything got shut, 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 shut down so that I couldn't share the love of God with people because I'd been wounded too much. And she'd come along and said, oh, I just would love people to be honest with me. I'd love people to share their heart with me so that we could work together and we could, we could build the kingdom together. And she had such an energy and an enthusiasm about her. I was like, oh, okay, I'll take along, I guess. I'll learn from you. I'll see how this goes. And God did an incredible work on me in that moment and in that friendship to unravel the lies that I'd believed about myself, the lies that the devil had planted, and I'd, I'd allowed them to consume the beautiful seed that God had planted in my life, that his love was bigger than anything else in this world, that his love overcame fear because that's what I was. I was a scared girl who didn't want to share anything. I had a huge amount of fear 
and social anxiety because of those experiences. But God wanted to undo that. And he brought people into my life that would undo that. And is it two weeks ago now? Maybe a bit more. Two weeks ago. About two weeks ago, I went to the Higher Leadership Conference Bruce West puts on. And um, I just said to God, oh, I'm so looking forward to breathing before this conference. Um, it'd be good to take a deep breath and just be refreshed by you. And whatever you've got for me, God, I'll take. Because I was tired and, you know, uni students suck the life out of you <laughs> in such a good way because there are so many questions and I love it. But it's, it can be tiring and it's important that you go and refresh and have a break and make sure that the whole, you give the Holy Spirit time to speak to you and speak into your life. And so we were at the, the higher conference and um, my friend Amanda had put together this group, um, Leaders Readers, and it's a book club. So we all get to read the same book. And we're from all over the place, from different churches, and we get together every couple of months and share about this book. And the last time we got together, we were talking about Brene Brown and her book, which is called Dare to Lead. One of the quotes we pulled out of that book was um, connection. I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. And at the higher conference, I really had no expectation about, you know, God bringing new people into my life. I was just there to learn and to suck in his energy and what the Holy Spirit needed to teach me about and to grow me. I was open to that. And then, <laughs> I should have tried not to cry. Then God brought along some beautiful young women that were part of our Leaders of Readers group, but I hadn't met with them because we just hadn't collided yet. And we were all there at the, the higher conference together. And so four of us sat down together and just started sharing our hearts. And we're just in a moment. Didn't know them beforehand didn't have a history with them, hadn't walked the journey, but the Holy Spirit just provided this beautiful, safe space for us to be vulnerable and share our hearts. And I was just so blown away by that. For two days, I just got to bathe in the presence of God and, and be blessed by women who loved God as much as I did and had a passion to see his kingdom expanded. And... Um, I came home next day and had horrible back spasms and all sorts of things. And then um, I was like, ooh, devil didn't like that one, did he? He's trying to steal this again. Trying to wreck me with, you know, painful backs and all of this stuff. And then I said to God, God, I just want to treasure this like a little gem in my heart. These two beautiful days, I just want to treasure this. And while I was lying there praying that, uh, my friend Amanda had formed a group on Facebook and said, 
you know what, we can't let these two days just be these two days and we're going to get together regularly because this is too important. It's too important that God had brought us. She didn't believe that we were done. She wanted to continue the journey with us as we walked this out. And over the last two weeks, it's been a challenge. Everything's been a challenge. On Monday, we were fighting fires around the back here. If you look out the dining room window, the fires came all the way up the back, and I was on the phone to Sonia the whole time because her house is up the back and she had a fire in the backyard. And we're fighting the fire there, trying to save her house. And she, she's in PNG. She couldn't be there to fight her own, her own house. But God had placed me in a place to be able to say, no, I'm going to be there for my friend. I'm going to show up. I'm going to fight the fire. I'm going to be there for people I don't, I don't know. And then on Thursday, we had Are You OK Day at the university. And I cooked pancakes for eight hours. And God did amazing things. I had hundreds and hundreds of kids come through and get free pancakes and even staff members lining up for 10 minutes. Well, on my tiny little barbecue plate, I cooked two pancakes at a time. So they had to wait and talk to me. Sneaky a bit. My strategy worked. (laughs) Except my body was failing me. Because when you're standing cooking for eight hours... Your arches and your back and everything else just wants to collapse. And I was done on Thursday afternoon. And I was supposed to be in Brisbane on Friday night. And um, I was like, Lord, everything in my body, in my flesh is saying, stay in bed. Don't go. But my spirit was hungry. It was hungry to meet with people. It was hungry to be out in Dolby yesterday. But my body was like, no, you can't do this. So the enemy was doing everything in its power to try and rob and steal and destroy what God had planted in my life in this last two weeks because he knows the value of friendship. And whenever the enemy tries to destroy something, it's a moment for us to say, ooh, that must be valuable. It's worth protecting. So the thing that I've, I appreciated about yesterday at the high conference was Tanya got us to find someone we felt safe with, one thing we were good at and one thing that we needed to do better at with each other. I appreciated it a lot because I'd written this um, before I went out on Wednesday and... Um, It was a confirmation to me. So I'm going to read what I wrote. It says, Christ also exemplifies a much-needed attribute as a friend. He wasn't afraid of giving loving, constructive criticism. criticism. his His simple phrase, go and sin no more, was not an insult. It was not hateful, violent, or shaming. It was simple... Simple admonishment and encouragement to live differently. Christ was not afraid of pointing out the best way to live. He didn't do this in a divisive way. However, he made simple his point and then lived out what he taught. From this we can learn 
what is often the most difficult part of being a friend, giving criticism that is our friend that is in our best giving criticism that is in our friend's best interest. You know, the, the part of me that wants more of this is, is also scared, right? I want God to speak into my life more. I want to see more seeds sown in your lives, in my friends' lives, in uni students, in, in my family, in every area of my life, I want to see more. I want to see an abundance of God's love. I want to see seeds multiplied 30 to 60 to 100 times over. I'm desperate to see more of God's love in people's lives. I believe it can change communities dramatically when we see an outpouring of love and an outpouring of kindness. I want to see more babies. I want to see our church grow and affect this community in such a way that there's houses on fire for God, that each and every home where we reside, we can say with absolute clarity, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord and not waver in it, not be distracted by anything that comes up and tries to steal what God has planted in our lives because when God plants a seed, it's not just for you. It's for your neighbour. It's for your family, for generations and generations and generations to come. And I'm so excited we get to hear from Rob Mann in a couple of weeks because the seeds he sowed, we're seeing now. And, you know, he had incredible faith to see this church move from glory to glory to glory. And we have to have that same faith. We have to have more. We have an abundance of faith to see people in our lives come into the kingdom realm, into receiving the love of Jesus, to knowing that he died on the cross for us, that he gave his life for us, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and he's interceding for you and me. He's the best friend we will ever have. And he's calling us back into a place of intimacy with him. He wants you close. He wants you right here. He wants you hugging him tight and knowing his love because if you don't know his love, how can you share it? How can you impart it to other people? How can you say, you know, love God? And yet, you're mean to your kids. How can you say, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't want certain people in my church. I don't want certain people in my home. Those are the weeds that we need to get out. We, those are the weeds we need to pull out. And if you haven't pulled them out by now, you need to get with a friend and you need to do the hard work. You need to find a safe space and you need... a to allow God to speak through your friends to say, where are my blind spots? Because if I'm not dealing with those blind spots, I'm not going to be as effective as God, God has called me to be. What did she say? Tanya said yesterday, what, what do you think is stopping my call? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. 
We're all called to something. The Heavenly Father has called us to greatness in him, to claim land for the kingdom of God. So what's stopping? What's preventing us from walking out the call of God in our lives? What's stopping us from bearing beautiful spiritual fruit? You know what? This is a safe space. These are beautiful people here. And if you take the time and you walk it out with them, little by little, or if you have a God encounter and the Holy Spirit allows you to share your heart, then go for it. Fear has no place in our lives, especially in friendship, because that's not what he called called us. That's not what he spoke over us. He said, love one another. He didn't say, love her just in case or love her because. It was never a love because. It was just love. I'm going to leave you with this one. Romans 15, 13. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Till we radiate with hope. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. As we go into our workplaces, as we go into our homes this week, he wants us to radiate his hope and his love that people come into our spaces and cannot help but be affected by the love of Jesus because we desire to see more. And I promise you, I promise you, it has blessed me more to be vulnerable and open than it's beat me up. It's worth it. But I, I will say, go read Proverbs because it gives some sensible warnings, but it's worth it in the end. If you're willing to stick it out and believe God that he brings the right people into your life and that you're brave enough to step out and be vulnerable with people, he will use that to do a work in people, to do a work in your family and to do a work in your friends' lives. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you that you go before us this week as we go into our workplaces and our homes. And I thank you for your amazing provision, Lord Jesus, in this place. Lord, that you would provide a way where there has not been a way. That you would open doors that need to be opened this week, Lord. And that you, Lord, you would just bring people into our lives that need to encounter your love that we get an opportunity this week to speak into people's lives and love on them, to love them well, to love them how you love us, Lord Jesus, that they would experience such love, Lord Jesus, that they cannot deny who you are, Lord. And we give you all the glory and the honour, Lord Jesus, and your incredible blessing. We are so thankful and grateful for all that you've done in our lives. In your name, amen. Thank you.